Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Brusky, and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action of Wisconsin. We are fortunate to have our full panel here, which means Priscilla Board is with us, our Movement Politics Director here at Citizen Action. Priscilla, it is great to have you. Thanks for for having me. Uh, you know, we're only like four days away from the best day of the year. So happy mm-hmm. Halloween, because uh, our next podcast will be after. Uh, so happy Halloween all to all of our listeners. Yes, I I am remiss. I forgot. I, you know, Priscilla, I remembered last night I went out and uh, went into a friend's house and he had tons of candy laying there. And he's like, well, you do know <laughs> this weekend. I'm like, oh, that's right. I got to go get, got to get the candy. Well, that's, uh, it's a great reminder, folks. Halloween, a wonderful time of year. Uh, but we got to get to Robert Craig, our other panelist here, our executive director. Robert, how are you doing? Good morning. Glad to be here. Well, Robert, it's good to have you. Uh, and I'm I'm guessing you're tired because uh, you've been busy testifying uh, in uh, to a Senate committee about the Brewer Stadium. We will definitely talk about that more. Um, but before we do, we got to get a little bit serious uh, because some very serious shit is going on right now. As we speak, um, we are yet again nationally um dealing with a shooter um in maine i'm sure by the you know by the time you listen hopefully um it, this will no longer be someone who's on the loose but has killed 16 people 50 to 60 people injured he's been photographed with an ar-15 with a telescopic sight which by the way is used in combat and he appears to have lots of magazines in his pockets, right? Priscilla, it's like this, it's it's rinse, repeat. The cycle just keeps happening. This is um, yet again another incident, but the magnitude of this and the that you're able to see by just how many people have been sacrificed for this insane freedom of just everybody got to have a gun. Priscilla? Yeah, I mean, we're well above 565 mass shootings of just this year. Uh, And um, all, you know, I just read that 30 plus school districts are closed and universities are closed today because it's still ongoing. Um, And it's just, it's, it's so, this is like the, the one, I mean, I get very, angry about many issues but this one i just like this is solvable and it's so frustrating that like a solvable thing is taking lives of people who just went to go bowling or to go grocery shopping uh or to go the list could go on and on uh i every time something like this happens i often go back to 2012 uh with sandy hook and realizing that like that was 10 like 11 years ago now uh and if nothing changed with sandy hook nothing changed with uh uvalde down in texas like what is going to be the thing that finally gets lawmakers to wake up i don't understand this is just the most frustrating thing i don't i don't know what's going to be the thing 
to change it and why we are okay with just sacrificing lives so people can own a gun. Right. You can't even go bowling. I, it, 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 very randomly, I was bowling last night, I, or I went to uh, the Falcon Bowl here in River West, and you know the thought that that it's just it's incomprehensible, Robert. So Priscilla's right to call to just the commonness of it. People engaged in normal activities and have no idea that this could happen. It could happen anywhere to anyone. And so I, I think that's the grounding, right? That everyone is less safe. And by the way, there are huge consequences to everyone feeling unsafe too, right? Lots of people who will be impacted just by that, even if they've not suffered, uh, you know, lost the lottery and suffer, suffered uh, through such a tragedy. Uh, it has to do with the brokenness of our politics, you know, moving, you know, directly to the why that Priscilla also brought up. Um, Anna uh, Glendon, a uh, Harvard law professor about you know, over 20 years ago, wrote a book called Rights Talk, that are an impoverishment of our public discourse, that we have a view of rights that the, the right itself that's being declared, like the right to bear arms, is absolute. And it, it lets in to the discussion no other considerations. Whereas any serious philosophy of rights is, is that the rights have to be balanced against each other because the absolute right to carry any arm contradicts the right to life, right? I mean, the real right to life, not the framing of why uh, the conservatives get to justify controlling women's uh, reproductive choices. And so we see that played out, okay? So it's partly that, but then there's a politics for the same reason that most members of Congress on the Republican side know that Donald Trump lost the election. A, a public has been created that will punish them and vote them out of office if they cross Trump. It's the same thing. And by the way, uh, Priscilla asked, when will they be persuaded? You know, in a way, and this is a problem with a lot of politicians, most, I would say, the exceptions are the ones that are fearless and are willing to risk their careers for what is right. Uh, that they will follow that incentive and rationalize it. And because they're afraid the NRA and, and a, a primary challenger will take them out. And it does mean ethically they see their career as more important than doing what is right. But that is a reality. Ultimately, we have to change the incentives, but we also have to change the structure. The structure as it's currently set up is rigged, just like we're seeing with the Brewers controversy right now. It's rigged against what most people want and what is right and what any rational person pulled aside would believe. It You cannot have an unregulated, complete right to bear arms. It must be balanced against all other rights. And if it isn't, that's a form of tyranny. Well, and, and that's why I started this with the whole concept of these folks have been sacrificed for some sort of sense of a right or freedom to own that AR-15 with a telescopic sight, right? Because what is the purpose of that? Technically, when you get beyond just Robert, as you said, this principle, fundamental right, since you can't really use that for a whole lot of purposes, its purposes are pretty narrow. And when you put that up against these people's lives, Priscilla, you brought the number over 500 of these mass shoot, like, at what point, as Robert is saying, do these rights 
right? Our right to safety and freedom and just quite frankly, not being terrorized. Um, when you go bowling, go to church, shopping, well, for a walk down the street. Folks, hopefully, hopefully we can continue to talk about how these issues impact us, as Robert said, electorally to start to give people the courage to do what's right. We, with that, are going to change topics. We have so much to talk about. We want to we wanna get to it, but um, just uh, needed to start uh, with the discussion of, of that. Uh, again, as we record, it is ongoing. It is, um, it's, I guess that's a metaphor. It's an ongoing tragedy of, of what we are experiencing in this country. Well, I want to change topics real quick. Um, Robert, you referenced uh, the Brewer Stadium. Um, we have talked a lot about that. And I know some of our listeners, you may be saying like, getting tired of hearing about this. Uh, I hope not. We hope not because we think this is really fundamental about like, what is the public interest? You know, should significant amounts of public money be going to, let's just say it, a billionaire owner for a stadium, right? And that just the way it's been rushed through. And and to that end, this week, yesterday, Wednesday, was uh, the Senate's public hearing. So this will be the second public hearing in about two weeks um, where this thing is just flying through. There was or at least an effort by the brewers and a number, a bipartisan effort to try to push this through with very little discussion. Well, Robert, yesterday there was a bit of discussion in the Senate. It sounds like even a bit more discussion that um, there, one, are not enough votes currently in the Senate to pass the assembly version. Uh, and there were, is bipartisan discussion that it sounds like you heard, and I want to hear more from you about changes that could or should be made. So Robert, you were there before we go to break, you've got to give us, give us 90 seconds on top lines on what you heard. And then we'll dive in after the break. So I'll just say about the hearing itself, it was better than the assembly hearing, which is not much. So I'll give some praise to the chairperson, Dewey Strobel. It was the normally undemocratic state legislative hearing. The assembly one a couple of weeks ago was on the par of Foxconn, which is the worst I've ever seen. It took six hours for anyone opposed to it to testify. It was me and Stephanie Blumendale, the present AFL-CIO. And so it was better. It was also better when we get over the break because... We have heard about this Republican opposition, but there hasn't been any on a committee yet. And we heard from a very conservative state senator, Julian Bradley from Franklin, who is a very big supporter of vouchers, who is saying very much the right things about this. And we do have a strange situation where there's bipartisan support for the bad deal, but there's bipartisan opposition, and it tends to be the strongest progressives. And the far right that actually is has a populist element to it, where it also sees strings being pulled, and that is and that is what Julian Bradley and some and Stephen Steve Noss and some other folks who are not usually on our side are on our side. Americans Prosperity and Citizen Action Wisconsin are both against this version of the bill. That does not happen very often. 
It truly, indeed, odd, odd bedfellows. Folks, you are listening to the Battleground Wisconsin with Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're talking about the effort to get a public subsidy for the stadium. Senate hearing yesterday, Robert, before the break, had just started to tell us that uh, a little bit about it and told us a bit about Julian Bradley, who, who, who spoke quite a bit about his desire to represent the public interest as opposed to just the Brewers, which is a novel and useful idea. Robert, continue in terms of... Uh, what were the top lines, and and then Priscilla, let's let's get into it. Well, we have been pushing since early on at Citizen Action, and we have coalition partners now that are part of a sign-on letter. Block, um, Fosa Stella Frontera, Milwaukee Teacher Education Association, Wisdom, um, is that you could have a deal that was in the public benefit, but this is rushed. It's not rushed because of any necessity. The lease lasts another six years. It is Major League Baseball's urgency to shake down every state and city that's a Major League Baseball you know, team uh, that hasn't built a new stadium recently and get before they expand. And this is about and, and all, corporate power, the corporate elite in this country standing behind it, especially in the person of Tim Sheehy, uh, the, the longtime president of the, uh, of the of the Milwaukee Metropolitan Association of Commerce. And now the chair of the of the uh, stadium board appointed by Governor Evers by a Democrat. Robert, I'd just like to remind everybody when his name come up, he's the gentleman who takes responsibility for bringing us Foxconn. OK, I continue. said that to the committee. I said, Mr. Sheehy also made us promises about that. <laughs> I did say that in my testimony. Three, I got to speak in three hours, which is much better than the assembly side. And so uh, Julian Bradley, really, the, the state very conservative state senator from Franklin, asked very pointed questions to the assembly sponsor, uh, Mr. Brooks. And, you know, Mr. Brooks kept saying, well, I can see what you see, but the brewers just won't go there. The brewers, this is their bottom line. And Julian Bradley said, you're doing a very good God of representing the brewers, and they're very well represented here, but we weren't elected by the brewers. We were elected by the Amer- by the people of Wisconsin, and I repeated it back to him. He appreciated that when I testified. And so that encapsulated it. And he was on, and this was probably the big theme yesterday, on why this deal, why now? And he actually said to Mr. Brooks, it seems like the Assembly has given us half-baked legislation just to ram it through, and then we're supposed to fix it. And that's exactly what's going on, Robert. Right after this passed the Assembly, I watched, uh, I think it was, uh, Channel 12 had a had a story on it. Robin Voss basically admitted in the interview, said flat out, I expect there will be changes in the Senate. I was like, whoa, what? OK. Um, and then immediately followed by an interview with um, State Representative Sinicki, who suggested, you know, Democrats had signed on because they got changes and this is the best deal we could get. I was kind of like, um, OK, you've got changes, but I do not believe this is the best deal. That's obvious. It's not the best deal. We're we're going to have a better deal. Question is how much better? Um, Robert, did you get any sense where the the best areas are for a bipartisan coalition of progressives and and Republicans to to get more concessions, a better deal? 
Well, there was pushing on the amount the brewers pay, right, versus the public. So I think that would be the best. And even Senator Fayen from Fond du Lac, a Republican, also mentioned that. And that was pushed especially by uh, State Senator Kelder Roy's in the Democrat side. Um, it's a little unclear. Looking at the two Democrats on the panel, it, it felt like, and people who know them or know better can can let us know that Senator Roy's, Kelder Roy's, was more against it and wanted a lot more to support it. And that Diane Hesselbein had things she'd like to improve, but seemed like she was more wanting to follow the governor and get to yes. I've heard that independently, but that's the sense of them in the hearing, whereas Julian Bradley needs a lot, the, the very right-wing state senator from Frank from uh, Franklin. And so I think that 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 there was push on just the percentage. The brewers have skin in the game versus us, uh, the public. There was push on... Uh, a ticket tax, which apparently, according to Representative Brooks, the assembly sponsors, a non-starter for the brewers. And there was this real push around, we have way more parking lots that are almost ever full, right? And the weird thing is, yes, we own it, but they get all the benefit to it and they get to control it. And they're saying, well, we don't want anything being built there. We don't know it and et cetera, et cetera. And there were really good questions about how do we ever develop if they have this veto power? And uh, he tried to, Rick Schlesinger, the president of the Brewers, say, well, if it was beneficial, we'd be for it. I don't know. I just Robert, think Robert, we don't. Thing. Robert, this is exactly where time and patience yeah. matters. This is the kind of thing that could be flushed out. And we get great clarity and not just, oh, the brewers, we trust the brewers. That's absurd. We need that planned yeah. out. Robert, this week there was an announcement that they're looking at potentially having a train, right? The train stop at at the stadium, I assume in the parking lot, uh, before it goes on to Madison, yeah, be right? A station. They put a station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? That's great. And of course it makes sense. But let's just mainline the 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 customers right into Mil uh, into Miller Park into a Amfam Field, <laughs> and not even get any benefit if we don't develop that area with with residential and multi commercial. That train will drop people off straight into Mark's arms. And by the way, I saw a story Kelly's Bleachers promoting this. I'm sorry, they're going to drop people off in that parking lot. They ain't not walking a mile up to your bar, right? Like. People need to get serious about thinking about what the hell we're going to do with that neighborhood. And if, if it is still parking lots in 10 years, Matt, bad so deal. The, the train's a great idea, but it wasn't mentioned in three and a half hours, just re reporting to you. Um, there was a weird thing where the sponsors tried to claim this is our stadium, not theirs, and we're responsible, and Tim Sheehy about us being in breach of contract, potentially, and that's why it's an emergency, and he's a man on fire. That's a quote coming okay. from the movie, the Will Smith movie, and so, which is absurd, because I said, okay, if there's a temporary shortfall in the stadium district, pay that. Don't make a 27 freaking year lease uh, too quickly. And so, but there's a weird thing where they said that it's not a subsidy to the brewers. Well, I'm sorry, a public thing they fully control that fully benefits them. And they even get the proceeds 
of in of th- non-brewer events in the off season. They need to. St- it's absurd. Stop. They're open to a to a ticket tax on those. That's what the brewers are open to. It, it's got to stop. They're talking at us like we're five. Priscilla, your thoughts? And, they have the power. And, They're acting and like Priscilla. Do you have any questions? Do you have any questions for Robert about yesterday? <laughs> um. Well, yeah. This is. Um. I think every time I'm like, oh yeah, we got to talk about this again. But I'm like, yeah, we have to talk about this again, uh, and we have to keep uh, hammering home as this is a statewide issue and so i i appreciate hearing uh from the hearing yesterday of being like yeah the, the brewers did not elect us like yeah they they didn't you were elected by pete like sure maybe i'm hoping some of these brewers are voters uh but like you have to think about like your constituents it's it's always back to i was gonna bring it back to movement politics uh and the importance of listening to what your constituents are are saying uh so yes robert i'm glad you were able to survive uh the 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 meeting the hearing yesterday um let me give you before you go on a a little symbolic thing of that the people weren't there it was a half full hearing room and the only nearly full side on the right side which are all the lobbyists and business people were sitting our side where the against it was, it was me it was tim carpenter it was chris larson setters uh jeff smith and ver and i there's you know maybe one journalist sitting there in other words it, it was held in the middle of the day it's being done so quickly most people are against it 70 percent versus spending other priorities according to the public poll people don't know it it just shows how power actually works and how low on the totem pole what people think is in this decision making it's a real reflection of the of that decrepit state fallen state of our democracy yes um i will just add one more thing i don't have i don't have any questions all my questions were already <laughs> answered uh but i just appreciate that people are in the senate very willing uh to hold out for that deal because we don't have to just except the first thing i think we get so quickly into this mindset of like oh we have to take this we don't like this is what negotiations are are for we're going to talk about big negotiations coming up on the podcast anyways with like it's the whole point of a contract uh and a great contract that's coming uh with <laughs> uaw uh to give you a little preview uh but this is what negotiations are for we don't have to just accept crumbs we don't have to just accept like, oh, this is what they're putting forward. Cool. I guess this sounds great. Like, this is, we have power. You have to just use it. Oh, let me just add, and I, I want to be frank about this. Uh, one thing that influenced the assembly vote is a whole lot of labor unions signed on to this, um, include, and a lot, uh, most of them building trades unions that might be able to build something in this. Something can, and you know, we are, I mean, it's almost never that we're not on the same side as labor, but it it happens because we're a democratic organization. We have standards we're applying to this that go back a long time uh, on economic development, back to Foxconn and WEDEC and earlier. But here's the thing, right? This is about the whole thing. We talk about Democrats and Evers uh, negotiating from weakness. The sponsor in the assembly, Brooks, said they need to fix the contracting standard uh, this is someone who no doubt was for Act 10, for uh, right to work, for eliminating project labor agreements, which are needed for construction unions. To, 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 and he said it's lowest, it's lowest bidder 
and it doesn't have any standard for the quality of the work and for our labor friends, suddenly they're his friends, that should be changed by the Senate. Why are unions signing off on it without that fixed? Why is that version not fixed? Because their support for it was used to push a lot of Democrats and flip them. It was of tremendous value to the brewers, but it's like what Evers did on shared revenue and education. They're selling too cheap. And I'm I'm with labor, but I just want people to reflect, why would that be written that way in a version that these labor unions' logos are being associated with? Folks, you're listening to a Battleground Wisconsin with Citizen Action for Fun Set, Citizen Action Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. Priscilla, in the last segment, <clears throat> very accurately tied and discussed and compared the level of negotiating that seems to have gone on in the front end of this process, both the first unveiling Jesus last spring when Evers dropped it in his budget and then this assembly package, which appears to be, I don't know, a it's a, not even a plane that's a, trying to fly. It's not even going to be fixed while it's flying. It might have to be fixed before it even gets off the ground. But pers- the very important thing was raised. Who, what the hell is who's negotiating like on our side? Where's where are the negotiators? And um, it stands in marked contrast to the absolutely heroic strike that's been going on with the UAW and very thoughtful strategic planning about how you leverage against an employer who you need to stay. You don't want them to go. You don't want them to shut down. You get, it's a complicated situation that requires thought because you want the big three to grow. So your membership can grow, but you also don't roll over and just take everything they tell you and you set standards and you, organize and get solidarity and then you go fight and you fight on behalf of the public interest right and so it is huge news that there is a tentative agreement between the uaw and ford um priscilla i'm coming back at at you for this historic i watched the video um the guy i wish could be our governor sean fain hell of a strategist and negotiator right and organizer of people um announced these historic things and said said flat out and i want to thank everybody for believing we could do what people said couldn't be done priscilla historic historic contract yeah that's that's like the huge part of it as like people were so adamant that this isn't going to happen like this strike won't mean anything their demands are too high uh and there will there won't be any middle ground and the big three will never go along with this uh they're so, gonna hurt them yeah they're gonna oh. make them even more angry and so then they're gonna leave <laughs> all the reasons oh, so, why it wait, didn't work yeah wait, i think you're talking about the brewers sorry oh wait, i know right yeah <laughs> Uh, all, all the many reasons why this was never gonna never gonna work and then it it did uh we've got a tentative agreement with 25 percent raises uh which is huge uh and you know we still got two more of the big three that we we you know gotta work out but like this was a major step 
in that it was never going to happen where all three of them were all of a sudden like okay yeah we'll 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 negotiate negotiations as we've seen uh take a while let's see uh, the time. how long yeah they take some time <laughs> the writer strike hit well over 100 days the actor strike is still going on because of refusals to negotiate in good faith uh and so negotiations take time but that was the per- strikes are supposed to be disruptive uh, and they're <laughs> supposed to work. And this did. And so congrats to the UAW Ford folks. And I'm uh, excited for the next two that happen. Yeah, absolutely. And again, one other thing, strategic thinking strategically, the way that they ratcheted up the strike and then in the face of record profits that were announced by Ford to their shareholders, then went and struck like the largest one that brought them to their knees and like essentially got a deal and playing off the opponents and looking for weaknesses and realizing if we can get this deal, it puts Stellantis at a huge disadvantage. Now, if they don't get their shit in order quickly, now time is on the worker's side, right? Because every day that they stay out, they give Ford a major advantage. Stellantis can't have that happen. Great negotiating. Robert. So very much so. I want to I even take it a step back. Sean Fain, uh, the president of the UAW, did not just appear magically. Uh, there was a movement for a long time by progressive members of UAW to get this kind of leadership. And there's been a critique that the previous UAW leadership was far too accommodationist. And I'm not an inside expert on each deal that was made, and it was in different situations. So I'm just saying I'm I'm saying that that was the critique. And they it was very difficult. There were a lot of close elections. They finally elected a strong progressive. And this is what you do when you have someone who's willing to actually maximize and lean into the power and understand the moment. And I'd like to see that in Wisconsin more, in primaries for legislature, ultimately for governor. And so that it, it's about democracy. It's a triumph of democracy. The UAW members went a new direction. The second thing is there was an understanding of time. That is what the moment is. We're at the pivot of a transition to a very different auto industry, to electric vehicles. They are better. They are faster. Uh, they have fewer moving parts. Even if the Republicans are successful in slowing this down so that we don't actually prevent runaway climate change. It's still happening. It's going to happen. And so the problem is, you know, you've heard the thing, everyone, because this is a lot of disinformation coming from the establishment that there are, that requires less workers. The best analysis I've seen, this will change, gets rapidly changed technology. At this moment, it's more workers, but a lot of them are in battery factories and they're being built overseas or non-union. And so they knew they had to have organizing rights to the battery factories. And the Biden administration, through the Inflation Reduction Act, gave them great leverage because they are making it so you don't get the tax credit fully unless the vehicle has mostly American-made batteries. So there's battery plants being built all over the U.S., but they're being built in the South in non-union areas. And so the UAW, that it's the 25% is huge, but this is about getting the ability to represent the next generation of auto workers, which is going to happen. There is no stopping the EV transition. There's just a question of whether it's fast enough to help us prevent uh, the worst of climate damage. Uh, but it will happen even if Donald Trump becomes president. So there's vision here and there's leaning into your power and there's knowing the limits of your power. 
They asked for 40% wage increase. They took 25%. The first offer, of course, is never the bottom line, but they that got sorted out with how much organizing rights they got for the rest of the electric car industry. So shout out, folks. Um, we'll continue to track this strike. It is obviously still underway, and uh, the members have yet to vote on this. Um, but um, great news. We wanted to make sure we uh, gave voice to it. Um I wanted to mention a couple of things that are related to this because it's again, it's back to like negotiating strength and what we're experiencing in the stadium. And we talked about this as it relates to uh, the state budget and what happened around uh, the deal that was cut. And we have been talking a lot about how that deal wasn't good for public education. We've talked explicitly about how it was really good for vouchers, right? It was a historic expansion of vouchers. That has a major impact long-term on the sustainability of public school districts. But immediately we talked about the fact that like at least 39% of school districts are going to see a, a less revenue. Um, our producer today came in and told us of a letter. He lives in Wauwatosa, a large suburban school district. Um, they received a letter essentially telling them that despite that budget deal, that Wauwatosa is going to be struggling and that they will be in trouble and they are looking for ways to raise additional money. And I think these kinds of letters are going to be going out across Wisconsin and they're going to be surprising a lot of people uh, because this package was sold as uh, it was huge and amazing for public schools. Uh, so I just wanted to mention that and mention that in the context of the news now that the new universities of Wisconsin, which cost half a million dollars, by the way, to do that, uh, are still they're hemorrhaging jobs. Uh, UW Platteville this week announced they're slashing 111 jobs. And this is following the news of UW Oshkosh. Again, folks, what are our priorities? Where are we spending money? Where is the public interest? I wanted to mention that before we. Um, move on because we got a lot of other topics here that we have to get to and well, we're one, running out of one yes. quick thing on that it passed this education budget with democratic votes in the senate being whipped by the governor's people and some state legislators voted for it under pressure and now they're realizing that they screwed their own school districts this is not good politics folks it really isn't it's not it's political malpractice whichever side of this policy debate you're on and again, this gets to time has come up a lot in this show and the importance of time, right? Like the idea that that budget had to be rushed through and figured out immediately. If you remember at that time, we were arguing for taking time, allowing the public to hear what's in, allowing time for people to process, allowing political pressure and public pressure to give Evers power. So folks, uh, we just wanted to bring this up because it's, you know, it's important and these things start to play out again over time. Um, I need to we're going to take a break here. And when we come back, we are going to talk about some some exciting things we have going on here, uh, particularly around uh, BadgerCare Public Option. We mentioned it last week, but big, big bill coming out. And also want to talk a bit about some of the climate work that's been going on, not only uh, at the state level that will be happening, but locally and how it's important for folks to get involved. Folks, you're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin.
Welcome back to the Battleground, Wisconsin. My name is Matt Brusky, and I am thrilled to take you home. Uh, and we're going to do that with a conversation about the new, exciting Badger Care Public Option Bill that's going to be released next Tuesday. Halloween. Robert, you're going to be up in uh, Green Bay at the Greater Green Bay Labor Council uh, with our great friend and ally, Representative Christina Shelton, who is the sponsor of this amazing bill. Uh, Robert, tell our listeners why this bill is so important to expanding access to health care. It's simple. We've a lot of complaining about inflation, even as it comes down, still being held against President Biden. Uh, the inflation that people have felt at the grocery store, at the gas pump, has been nothing compared to health care inflation. It's ticking up 8 10% every year because the pricing is fully controlled by monopolies, by big insurance companies, big hospital monopolies, and big pharma, and others. And there's been, there was a renaissance of action on this uh, in, in Wisconsin in the aughts, and then the Affordable Care Act um, at the national level. At the state level, there's not even been bills that actually address the high cost of healthcare for most people. Badger expansion is necessary. It deals with a coverage gap, not the cost of healthcare for most people. And over half of Wisconsinites, 95% of whom are insured, are skipping medical treatment uh, and uh, because they're afraid they can't afford it because you don't know what the cost will be. It's not like you're given the blender will cost you $30. It is like, you don't know, it could be thousands. The claim will be denied, right? And you'll be pinged back and forth if you try to complain between the hospital and the insurance company. So the Badger Care Public Option Bill does a number of things. It expands public health care using all the tools of the Affordable Care Act to double what it is now, okay? It allows anyone to buy into Badger Care, which is a more comprehensive package, and get subsidies to afford it on a sliding scale to the Affordable Care Act. It's a more comprehensive package, and they, it's not based on claims denials. You know that what is covered will be paid, and it's transparent. And the third thing it does, the most uh, exploited employers are small employers, 50 or, or less. This allows them to buy into Badger Public Option. Everyone runs on helping small business. Only a third can afford it. They lose their best workers because they can't afford it. Businesses go under because one of the owners gets a chronic condition. It It is killing small business. And you want to drive a wedge in the public coalition, do something this good for small business. So we're saying this is a this is an agenda-setting bill. This Republican gerrymandering decision won't pass it, but we want to make it clear set a standard, try to get every single Democrat to support it, and then people can run against Republicans on it. So that's where you all come in. It is absolutely critical you reach out to your state senator and state legislator and tell them they need to co-sponsor this. It's going to be released soon. We will have more details on that. But it is not too soon for you to reach out to your state legislator. And Priscilla... You have been leading an effort with our team to do just that, to like reach out to voters and start to educate them about this legislation, why it's so important, and challenge them to likewise reach out to their state legislators so we can get as many co-sponsors as possible. Priscilla, tell us a bit about these calls that we started making this week and um, why they're important and how folks can uh, get involved. 
Yeah. Um, this is the perfect time. It is not too late. Um, it's never too late to contact your legislature and uh, tell them how you're feeling about bills, but especially this one. Uh, there's no excuse either. Be like, oh, I have Republican electeds. This is this is the get. This is the bipartisan issue. Uh, we can't act like Republicans don't need badger care uh but we're doing calls every monday from five to seven because we want to reach out to people and give them that like information of hey this is what this is what's going to happen this is how you can get involved we're hearing uh a lot of we had a really great time on monday um we've also had people doing this in the field and they're getting really great reports of people being like oh that sounds like a really great plan like badger care public option sounds like it would be really helpful to a lot of people that i know so what can i do uh the best way for uh you to get involved is to sign up join us every monday from five to seven we phone bank with each other if you're like i don't know about the bill because it's okay uh bills can be really confusing and there's a lot of numbers and words it's fine we give you a little training and we don't just abandon you we love calling together replicate that little office uh type space too but join us this is a great way to hear that people are excited about the fact that there is a plan that people are trying to do something Well, I really appreciate uh, that you helped pull this together. We we called into the city of Green Bay uh, and is around in some of the areas. Amazing calls. Let me just say, folks, um, some of the best calls I've done in terms of I had no one like give me try to hang up on me, especially once they heard what we wanted to talk about. A lot of support, a lot of support. So please, this is how we start to make change. Uh, and as Robert said, make this an issue. Let's get as many people on. It's super important uh, that we do this do this work. So, Robert, I want to quickly change topics just a little bit here. Um, we've got about a few minutes left in the show. We work extensively on climate change and particularly thinking about climate justice. How do you find the nexus between the the merit that completely changing our economy around uh, green and energy efficiency is an opportunity to do better, create a new economy that lets all folks in. Um, part of that, there's two big things I want you to update our listeners on. One major part of that work is locally in each region. A lot of money is flowing through federal government, and it's really important that lo localities and municipalities plan and, and, and do that. We're heavily involved in that in a number of communities. Want to give have you give an update, including uh, Green Bay, who has a really important um, uh, climate plan coming up. But also at the state level, there's going to be a series of bills coming out that will greatly, hopefully, start to lay out some of the things that need to be done to actually tackle this challenge. Robert, clue us in. So one of the interesting things, a big difference between climate action and health care is, is that there are local leverage points. You can run local campaigns. And so we don't have to only fight with the gerrymandered, undemocratic legislature we presently have and hope not to have in the future. That is because uh, any climate and, and and the economic justice parts of a climate plan, which is a, the, the, the state of the art we're pushing, 
um, that will be implemented very locally, and you'll need very developed local plans. In addition, there is federal money for it for cities, counties, school districts that have plans and fight for that money. It comes in complicated ways through different buckets. But the starting point is knowing what you would do if you had the resources to reduce emissions in half by 2030. That's a real deadline. That's not movable. Just have a chance to prevent runaway climate change and do it in a way that creates the maximum economic benefit. And there's a huge advantage there because there is a huge labor shortage in the green economy. It's also a, green, a sector that's mostly white, mostly older, mostly male. You can change that. You have to change it because we don't have enough workers. And if you structure it right, these could be the new family supporting jobs that were lost in, in deindustrialization and outsourcing. And so this is a giant opportunity to actually start a transformation, even when we don't have a legislature that will play along. And we frankly don't, we have a governor who has, who's big on general campaign vision on climate and short on actual stuff he's delivered on it as well. I want to be honest about where, how the Democratic Party state at the state level has to evolve. But this is a huge opportunity. And you have to start where you are in your local politics. Wausau has started this, uh, and we've been at the center of that. Green Bay is facing a very conservative city council, but a progressive mayor at Genrich and is getting as much as they can out of this city council, one that doesn't want to admit there's a climate crisis, some of its members. Also understanding that to get really far, uh, the voters will have to change the composition of that city council, and that could happen this spring. So it, you do have to be realistic, but you have to have a bigger vision and get as far as you can to push the far end of the possible in each local situation. And the, the worst thing is not to have any planning or any push whatsoever. Well, uh, this is, again, folks, where you all get involved. Um, we have active planning committees, action committees in uh, each of those regions Robert talked about. So if you're in the La Crosse area, Wausau, Eau Claire, and Green Bay, Robert mentioned Green Bay is actively in the process of deciding whether it is going to even have a climate plan, which uh, will go before its uh, city council December 5th. And we are organizing folks to testify and come and support that legislation. Um, so please, we really want to encourage you to get involved. Um, we had a great group uh, from Green Bay uh, uh, planning and discussing and, and talking about both that uh, critical uh, city council public hearing, but Robert also was able to enlighten them a little bit about a number of the things that will be coming through the legislature and planning. So please, folks, get involved, reach out, join. You need to join Citizen Action, and I'm going to tell you right now how you can do that. We have very easy ways you can access and become a member, and and you need to. You got to get off. You got to get off the sidelines, and. We have all kinds of membership here, right? If you donate to us, you are a member. We want you to donate and become a recurring member in our co-ops and be active. And, and you can you can decide what the dollar amount works for you, but we set it up so we money comes out every month. It's very easy. Or if you say, I don't got no money right now, but I got passion and time and I care deeply about these issues, we have non-dues paying membership. Folks, go to citizenactionwi.org. Up on top, there is join us. You can click on there. There's easy ways to do any of those. And please, if you don't have the resources but you want to get involved, become a non-dues-paying member. Sign up today. 
get involved. We'll have an organizer follow up with you to find out how you, you can be the you you want to be. Folks, please join Citizen Action. Donate today. This shit don't happen for free. And with that, we got to wrap up this Battleground Wisconsin. I want to thank our producer, Brian Wildridge, who makes this show happen every week. And of course, my co-panelists, Priscilla and Robert. Really appreciate the conversations. Folks, we'll see you all next week. And don't forget, reach out to your state legislators. There's a lot to talk to them about. We'll see you next week. 